Why niggas? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Niggas is a brand. Allen Houston. Niggas just mean Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, everyone? You are listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo and Faiz. It uh, it's been it's been a while. It's been a minute. I mean, the last time we recorded was when the Knicks uh, were eliminated from the playoffs, and we had a reaction, and we decided it's probably best to take a little bit of a detox. Um, and uh, I think coming back in the month of July made the most sense because that's when actual stuff happens. And lo and behold, July 1st was crazy, but we'll get into all that. Make sure you check out our website, nick-ish.com. Copy yourself some Nickish gear. Uh, bringing my guy Faiz. What's going on, man? How have you been? I'm feeling great, man. It's, it's nice to be recording again, but it feels a little disingenuous to say that we haven't recorded since, since like a month and a half ago, because we recorded this borderline same exact episode yesterday uh, like, you know, saying what we thought would happen. And it's crazy because all those things did end up happening with, you know, we, we'll get into it, but the OB trade and, and the, the DiVincenzo signing. But um, it's going to be a whole fresh episode for sure because we're going to be able to react to the news instead of predict the news. But it's so funny. That we, yo, we predicted <laughs> everything 20 minutes later. OB got traded. We're like, OB yo, like, I can't, I'm like, yo, I can't post this anymore. Like, we got, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. We got to redo this. Yeah. It, 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 it. I don't want to re-record a reaction to something that yeah. we just recorded. So I'm glad that we're we're starting this again. Yeah. I mean, so much happened in the last 24 hours that only made Big, sense to it, do this, do this right. It seems like Leon finally woke up and uh, I know a lot of people might be upset with that first move and, you know, we can kind of start getting into it with, uh, you know, Obi Toppin, a uh, beloved Knicks player being traded um it, i feel like it's the first blemish really on this front office and maybe they made mistakes before with the Kemba walker signing and whatnot but i feel like a lot of people gave them a little bit of a leeway with that but this ob like the whole management of that of uh the that eight, eighth overall pick from from that year it seems like has been really mismanaged and and this is the the final chapter of that mismanagement. And I feel like it's easy to say that it was a blemish because those second round picks will most likely end up either being used in a trade or not really like, they're not going to be two players that are on our roster. So it, it feels a little easy to say that they fucked this up. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, when you look back at it, people are going to say, and including myself, it, it didn't make sense drafting Obi Toppin or on, on, I guess on the flip side, we did think it made sense because we wanted Randall out. That was exactly that was like you you mentioned this yesterday. You said this is that was Beyblade Randall, and we all wanted Randall out right away. And um, it made it made sense at the moment to best to draft player available at the time, and, yeah, so. and draft his replacement. And Obi Toppin was a guy that people thought would go in the top five, and he landed number eight at the time. It made sense. Tw- of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it would have made much more sense for us to draft Tyrese Halliburton, let him be our point guard, and. We got Jalen Brunson. They could have been a dynamic duo. But now now what we have is Halbert and Obi Toppin in Indiana. And I was telling you guys this yesterday. I'm, I'm already having nightmares of that time when they come to MSG and Halliburton is lobbing it up to Obi Toppin over and over and over again. And that would probably happen. And, you know, the 
the trade itself, the second round picks, I'm not too surprised because we did see a similar trade a day prior with Chris Duarte, Indiana Pacers trade to the Kings uh, for two second round picks and Obi Toppin's on a similar level right now to, to Duarte. So that kind of trade didn't make sense. I don't, I think we would have had to be really lucky to even get a late first round pick because right now with this new CBA assets are extremely crucial and important. It's not going to be as easy to trade it. Um, you know, we look at that Cam Reddish trade that we made a couple of years ago, Knox and the late first round pick for Cam Reddish. I mean, that, that kind of trade is you're not going to see it that much anymore. I don't think we've seen any real first round pick trades this offseason so far. We've seen move after move after move, a shit ton of second round picks. I can't recall. I might be wrong about this. I don't recall any first round picks being traded. So Bradley Beal was um second round picks. Actually, um John Collins was also a second round pick. So most of the trades, you're not wrong. They have been second round picks. Right. So maybe second round picks are more highly valued going for. I mean, who who knows? But I mean, first off, shout out to to Obi Toppin. Um, we loved every moment that we saw of him on the court. That some of those dunks are gonna live on for for forever. I mean that. That dunk against Atlanta in game two, that alley-oop, we're always going to remember that. If I just say that alley-oop dunk against Atlanta, everyone will know we're talking about Obi Toppin. Countless highlights, countless, you know, limitless potential. But Obi Toppin's reached an age right now where he's getting closer to his prime. He's a little bit older. And um, he needs that opportunity to get his bag. And if he's not getting the minutes on in a Knicks uniform, it only makes sense for him to be with another team. And you could twist in this way where the Knicks were quote unquote doing him a favor by trading him, letting him get an opportunity for more minutes and try to get his bag. Um, But it all comes back to Tibbs, not really balancing out his team properly, overloading minutes for Randall and letting Obi only average like 12, 13 minutes per game. When we know as a starter, he's capable of much more. So Obviously, we would have rather go a different way. I really hope we see Obi Toppin in a Knicks jersey again in the future. Hopefully, we re-sign him after he gets his money, and or maybe we'll give him the money. We'll see. But, yeah. Yeah, it feels like there's, like, plenty of blame to go around because, I, I, I know, I, I feel like the front office should first and foremost be blamed because they uh, drafted this guy and kind of, like, because of the the place they drafted him at, he was like kind of forced into a role that he just never really fit into. So that that's first of all. But then second, and Tibbs definitely has a lot of blame too because in in terms of development, like it, he just never got the opportunity because of the playing time and whatnot. So you know, it feels like we're writing this soliloquy to Obi Toppin, and I know a lot of fans like the, it, it goes either way because Obi Toppin was a beloved Nick. Like he was all about the he was about the kids. Like I remember seeing like I went to a Knicks game and going to the bathroom and seeing like this tiny kid with two gigantic sneakers and they were signed by Obi Toppin and the kid was it was the happiest I've like you know seen a little kid at MSG like he he was about the people and you know being from New York being from Brooklyn all those pictures of him in Spreewell jerseys as a kid and stuff like I feel like it touches it really touches home with a lot of uh with a lot of fans but a lot of other fans might be saying like why are we like busting our chops over like a backup four who barely cracked 12 minutes a game and whatnot. You know, the, the, there's opinions everywhere in Nick's Twitter, but um, I think you said it best. It's like uh, you feel bad for a player that just didn't ever got that full opportunity to, to really be successful. And I'm glad that it happened when it did, because apparently in one of the heat games, and I had heard about this while it was happening, but kind of, 
discredited the the friend who told me about it because I was like, oh, no way this is happening. But uh, we saw the reports of Obi Toppin getting into it with uh, Tom Thibodeau right before actually Randall said uh, they wanted more. I'm speaking about Miami, that they wanted more. And apparently Randall was a big part of breaking up that fight. But, you know, it, it's kind of good that they, they cut it at the root of it because if Obi Toppin was getting upset and you go into the season with that with that frustration, it could do a lot for the rest of the team and chemistry and whatnot. So it, it, it's the perfect timing. And I know a lot of people were like, we maybe could have held on to him and seen what we could have got at the trade deadline. Like, it's only two second-round picks. What what happens if we only get one second-round pick for him? It's not much of a difference. But that that factor of it, the fact that he was upset about his playing time and stuff, I think I think the Knicks did the right thing in this situation, considering what had happened already. Yeah, and maybe the Knicks were trying to make right with him and try to keep him happy by drafting his brother or bring uh, yeah, make his family team. happy, right? And I'm sure Obi saw the kind of contract caliber and guys on his level, level meaning like the time, the the years that they were drafted in, um. Like Talbert got like a two hundred sixty million dollar contract, and he's seeing that he's like, "Yo, like, when am I gonna get something like that? I'm, I'm not gonna get in a New York uniform." Like sentimentality is not gonna pay you dollars. Exactly. And at, at, at a certain point, you need to you need to go from New York to Indiana to kind of get the the money that you should get. And really, this is probably it's gonna this is probably gonna be his best opportunity to get the kind of life changing money that you need to get when you're in the NBA. It's really that first contract when. First or second contract when you get that opportunity. So also no no one else to blame. Like you can't be like, right. oh, I'm playing behind Randall. I need this. Like it's you now, Obi. And I hope he is successful and, and thrives. And you know, it, it is gonna sting. I think you started it with that, and I think it's the best way. It's gonna sting a lot when you see Tyrese Halliburton because it's both of them together, Tyrese and Obi. It's like so much what could have been, and you're gonna see them come up dynamic. And you know, I've heard some stats already, like. Uh, I think the Pacers were like top 10 at least in like transition mm. transition points or something. And now they're just adding on to that with Obi Toppin. So, uh, I mean, he's a flawed player, but I think he's going to, he's going to fit in real well with, with the Pacers and, you know, but best of luck to you, Obi Toppin. Yep. Next on, next on the list, we got Josh Hart who opted into his contract. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Cause I know oh. the idea originally was that he was going to opt out and then resign, but he opted yeah. in instead. So, so from the beginning, from when we got Josh Hart, the whole plan was always, he's going to opt out and get more money. Cause this guy, he's playing in his prime right now. We're seeing uh, his rebounding going up, his three point shooting, the percentages are high, but he doesn't take too many threes, but it's all good. You know, his numbers look good. So we knew he wanted to get his money. And he even went as far as a few weeks ago and uh, to go on Taylor Rook's podcast and say that I'm opting out and getting this. But, you know, seeing the front office basically convince him to opt into this contract, I feel like this is a very pivotal moment in this front office, showing that the culture that they're building is is being established and, and really working because guys like Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson are really buying in. And, you know, I, I think talking about the Josh Hart thing with the Obi Toppin thing is, is perfect, and it's going to be a great segue into what we're going into next because Josh Hart opting in is what gave us access to the, the MLE, 
which is the uh, 12, 11 to $12 million that we have available. And then Obi Toppin getting traded out is without any, any salary coming back in return gives us access to a trade exception as well. So now the Knicks have a little bit of extra money and that little bit of extra money had gone to the signing that we had yesterday, Dante DiVincenzo. And, you know, shout out to Josh Hart for taking that cut. And I know he will end up getting his money. He'll end up getting that uh that extension, maybe even in August, because that's when he's eligible again to be extended. But shout out to him for trusting this front office and trusting everything to get a guy that was Jalen Brunson's best friend in, uh, in college and uh, one of their uh, running mates in, in the Villanova championship run. So... You know, this is a this is a major moment for this front office to be able to convince a guy like Josh Hart to to trust them in a cutthroat yeah. business like the NBA. Yeah, I mean, and it goes to show these players aren't buying into the culture of the Knicks, especially Josh Hart. This man is a walking PR, uh, like New York should hire hire him he, as a tourism attraction. He, like he, you, loves you see New York. An, you see him tagging Dame Lillard, like yo, like come come through. He he tagged McKell, like yo, pull up. Pull and, up. Yep. I just I, I love. I'll Josh take Carlos those tampering charges. I'll take those tampering charges. Yeah. <laughs> and um, because he's opting in, I think the Knicks also don't have to pay the luxury tax and things like that are important. If you're think if you're prioritizing the needs of the team over yourself, that's that's good for business. And the Knicks are in fact a business. And if you're if you're one of the leaders of your team, and at this point with. With Dante and Brunson and Hart on the team, those guys are pretty much the leaders of this mm-hmm. of this Knicks team going forward. So, uh, he's setting the tone, uh, in a way that other other players can follow through. And again, culture is something we talk about. It's not something that's gone. We when when Brooklyn was doing their thing, everybody was talking about culture, culture, culture. It, it is important, and the Knicks did not have a good culture. It was very toxic, and at this point, it feels like there's a lot more camaraderie amongst the players and uh they're building it that way where it went from kentucky players now to villanova players but there's still a camaraderie amongst the team with winners and uh i think that that's great for the team going forward i'm not saying we flipped obi for dante divincenzo we did replace him in a way and um if you're ready to get into dante let's i'm I'm ready yeah i mean i kind of feel good saying that i know it's not direct but that you know that draft pick that everyone was so upset about trading out for Josh Hart. You know, first of all, it netted you Josh Hart, a guy who was very pivotal in the second half of of the season and the playoff run. You know, he he did a little bit of everything, but now you can say that getting him was getting trading that pick out is the reason we also have Dante DiVincenzo because that's a domino that falls along with with the Josh Hart thing, because obviously they're all Villanova buddies. Obviously, Josh Hart opting in is what I give us access to the MLE and whatnot. So. I feel good saying that first round pick netted us Josh Hart and Dante DiVincenzo. And like, you know, I know a lot of fans have been kind of like, why are Knicks fans so excited about this guy? He's like a nine, nine a game averaging kind of player and whatnot. But I think you have to remember the context at which we're getting him. He's a $12 million signing, $11 million signing. When you're looking at previous guys who signed for the MLE, it's like really bummy guys. Like it's usually like, like Montrez Harrell, like a backup uh, power forward. I know <laughs> I kind of mentioned him before too, but you know, he's like, uh, it's like always the it's guys so who, funny. 
<laughs> it's like guys who play like backup four minutes, like backup five minutes, like not, nothing crazy, you know, because 12 million in the NBA doesn't mean what it used to mean before. I know to us, 12 million sounds like generational crazy wealth, and it is for them too, but getting a guy like Dante DiVincenzo who – uh, during the Warriors uh, last year, in the Warriors last year, when Steph Curry was out, when Clay was out, someone who took charge of the team, it's it's a fantastic thing to do because this is a guy who, first of all, shoots like 39% from three on like five attempts. He's making two a game, which is something we badly need. And outside of that, his passing ability and rebounding for a small guard is incredible. It's, it's something like you watch the game and you'll be like, holy shit, like this guy, he has a good feel and read for the game. And a lot of people might be upset because we're becoming the Villanova pipeline, but you're grabbing championship players, like guys who won a championship twice. Villanova won this championship twice because they built and developed these players knowing that they're going to come to the NBA and contribute. So I'm I'm all aboard on this Dante DiVincenzo signing. And I have a little bit more to say about it, but I, I want to hear your thoughts too. Yeah. We like you said, we sign a player at the mid level, uh, mid level, exception. uh, exception, exception. Thank you. I had a fucking brain fog moment there, but <laughs> this guy's also the roommate of our star point guard, Jalen yes, Brunson. Sir. Like that, that shit adds dividends to the to yes, the move, sir. and it's important because you get you keep your main guy happy. It shows that we're building. You know, to the top in point, people are saying that we're building around Randall. We're not building around Randall anymore. We're building around Brunson. Yes, and sir. this Dante DiVincenzo four-year, fifty million dollar deal is, you know, shows that. And um, when you're bringing in a guy who I think he shot close to forty percent last season, who's coming thirty-nine, from, yep, 39 who's 30. coming from the uh, the Warriors, he, and he's in his prime. He's twenty-six years old, same as Brunson, same as a uh, Hart, and all three of these guys who won a championship in college are entering their primes together. Like that's a dream come true for a lot of kids. Going to school together, playing ball together. Like imagine you with your boys in the Knicks in New York, competing for the playoffs, yes. trying to get into the finals. Like that's a dream come true. Like shout out to those guys; they made it work. They just gotta add one more of those boys onto the team. He's in Brooklyn right now. We'll bring him at some point soon. We they brought three of them in. Why can't you bring in the fourth? And um, we'd be able to lock in that wing position. Maybe we'll see. But my my one gripe with the with this roster build out right now is the fact that DiVincenzo who replaced we'll say replaced for now Obi Toppin is only six foot four and what that means is that he's going to play more of the two three role and well two gripes one is that potentially we don't have that backup four which actually is a glaring problem and you know Thibodeau is hinting that Josh Hart could be that backup four I don't think it makes much sense much sense to put that guy in that kind of position he's gonna get beaten down over and over again he's gonna get the rebounds but at what cost and the second gripe that I have is that it could take away minutes from Grimes, who I believe has a higher ceiling, and and even IQ, who has a higher ceiling. And um, both those guys still need to extend their contracts, I believe. And uh, we don't know how much they're going to get paid. We don't know where they are in the pecking order. And it could just be Tibbs prioritizing Dante over both those guys. They play heavy minutes, and then they become the redheaded stepchild the way Obi Toppin was. So... That's that's kind of my one concern. It always comes back to Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> I'm definitely with you with that first concern because I don't mind seeing Josh Hart experimental lineups with like four minutes, two minutes at the four. That's completely fine. You know, I would love to see a lineup of like Grimes, 
uh, DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, like when you unlock that shooting, we've been asking to stretch the floor. Sure, two minutes of it. But if you're telling me all 12 to 13 minutes that Obi Toppin played, Josh Hart is going to absorb, I'm not with that. I think you could add a veteran four on a minimum or whatnot that could at least give you eight minutes, 10 minutes, just just a little bit of time, and then Josh Hart could take over. That I could I could be with. But, yeah, um, I, 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 I the one thing I'll say I'll push back on with the Grimes thing I think Tibbs loves Grimes. This front office loves Grimes. And I think I'm I think the most confident thing I could say right now is like we're going to talk about a little bit more but I don't think Grimes is going to leave this team. I think the Knicks are going to continue to build with Grimes and whatnot and I think this Dante DiVincenzo move is is a preparation for another move coming ahead because uh, getting him for four years, 50 million, which by the way, every time you say four years, 50 million, I can't help but smile because I feel like, I feel like this doesn't seem like a Knicks move. Like it doesn't feel like the Knicks of the old where like you want a guy on a cheap contract who's a good role player and we actually just get him. Like it doesn't feel like it always feels like why are other teams getting him and we're not. So four years, 50 million is awesome. So easy tradable contract if other teams want him. And, and with a player who is exactly what you want in this NBA, could pass, shoot, you know, rebound and whatnot. But I feel like the Knicks are prepping to get rid of one RJ or IQ because once you consolidate one of those guys in a trade to get someone like, for example, Paul George. Harden, Zach Levine, whatever may come up. Dante DiVincenzo can take over that backup role that maybe quickly had earlier or maybe RJ had earlier and absorb those minutes. So I feel like this is a signal to show that we have another move coming ahead, but that might be me getting ahead of myself and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Dante DiVincenzo just ends up being what it is and maybe you're absolutely right. Josh Hart is going to take all the backup four minutes, which in that scenario, I'm not thrilled, but... I don't know, man. I feel like the, the storm is coming. I feel like there's another move coming from the Knicks. Or at least they're they're preparing themselves as if another move is coming. Yeah. I I agree with the with the second set. I think they're preparing themselves too. Doesn't mean that it'll happen. Obviously, it's always hard for it to happen. And I guess that could bring us into that second segment. But real quick, Dante with DiVincenzo was not was on a championship team, right? With Milwaukee or my he was okay. injured that year, though. He was, was on that championship. Yeah, that, that was yeah. a one year. That was his fourth year. And it's so sad. Like, you look at his stats, year one, two, three, and then five, if you take out year four, his progression is 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 great. It's exactly mm-hmm. what you want to see. But, yeah, unfortunately, that year four, he, he didn't technically earn the ring, technically. But, yeah, he, he was on the team. I, I think he might. I'm looking at his stats, right? Wait, when did they win the ring? 21 or 22? It was 21. 21. Yeah, he played 66 games that season. He definitely Solid, got, yeah. he, he definitely got, got a earned. ring from that. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we're we bringing in some championship pedigree. Okay, all right. I um, mean, hey, regardless, <laughs> we're bringing in Villanova college basketball championship yeah. pedigree, which is it's important. It's important because, it, like, when the lights get bright, when you're in that moment taking a big shot, you you don't feel as, as, as scared, you know, in front of all of it. So... Uh, I'm with it. I'm with mm-hmm. it. I, I like this. I like the move. I like bringing Jay Wright, man. Let's go Villanova boys all the way. <laughs> like, let's just lean into it. <laughs> uh, so the potential big moves, right? That's, that's really what a lot of people want to continue to talk about. It's, it's, it's a failed Knicks off season, right? Cause it's fucking July 2nd. The Knicks aren't a title contender. That's, that's, <laughs> that's our rubric. The Knicks are not a title contender July 2nd. Like this isn't, we give this, we grade this an F, but no, on 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 some real shit. I don't know why 
there's so much anger against this team right now because there's still so much time left. And with this time left, there are a couple of names that keep circulating. And uh, we'll, we'll start with, with one name that's been circulating for like a year or two. His name just pops up every so often. And curious on your thoughts to see if it's even worth at this point, especially now that we signed Dante DiVincenzo for us to even look at him. Uh, I wasn't ever down to look at him, but how do you feel about Zach Levine? Um, I'll I'll just say yes because uh I like the thought of him going into his prime. I like the thought that maybe we could get him for cheap, considering that he hasn't accomplished anything in the NBA. But um, you know, we did talk about it a little bit yesterday, and you know, I did agree that the Bulls will have a high price for him. So maybe it's not even worth being in the sweepstakes, but I think if you could get him at the right price, and this honestly always goes for any star. If you could get any star at the right price, you kind of are interested in him. But um, I just, just for his age and the things that he can do on offense, I am interested in Zach Levine, but I, like I'm not all the way there because of what you said, like the Dante DiVincenzo signing. And then we're kind of like really guard heavy, but I, you know, either way, we would consolidate some guards in a deal for for Levine. But um, I would say, like, I'm interested, but I wouldn't say it's like get this deal done, Knicks. Like, if you don't get Zach Levine, it's over. Like, it's just like a mild interest because he's a player who's available, and I feel like his offensive skill set would fit what Jalen Brunson needs. But on the defensive end, it would be exactly what we do not need: Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and Zach Levine. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely, I'm definitely curious about it. Like. Yeah, recipe for disaster. I'm a hard no. I'm a hard pass. <laughs> no, I'm okay on Zach Levine. He's not going to move the needle at all. He hasn't done anything in Chicago. Like, he's a great player, fun player. Love his slam dunk contest. But <laughs> as, in a, as a basketball player, he's good, all-star level, but... He's I'm good, not, not great. He's not he's exactly. not great. And we don't need to, if we're going to make a trade for a superstar, let him be great. Zach Levine is not great. And I, I don't want to give up R.J. Barrett for for Zach Levine. And if we're going to be honest, we're going to have to give up R.J. Barrett in any one of these scenarios or situations because we're assuming now with Obi gone, Randall has to stay because we need a four on this team. Uh, next, James Harden. That one I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say a hard no. I'm, I'm going to say a hard no on James Harden. I love uh, – we talked about it, but I love James Harden. I think he's a fantastic offensive player. We saw what he was able to do without Joel Embiid in the Boston series, light it up for 50 points even in the playoffs. And I know he's old, but his play style, like, you know, he's adjusted to it and whatnot. But um, I don't – first of all, it's a one-year rental. Like, it's, it, I don't want to pay for that one-year rental. And then outside of the one-year rental – the, the baggage that he comes with, the issues that he comes with, and what he could do to our, you know, constant building culture with guys like DiVincenzo, Josh Hart. He's like literally the, the opposite of it, the counterintuitive part of it. And yeah, maybe the New York economy is going to b- like be boost, but, you know, going amazing. But like, I, I don't want to see IQ with James Harden in the Paris fashion show mm-hmm. with Lil Baby when we have to play the Mavs. <laughs> On, on a back-to-back or something. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm off that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we talk about culture building and you make a – you generate a list of players on your in, – in the NBA who would add to the culture and really bring it to a higher level, James Harden is at the bottom of that list. Exactly. I mean, shout-out to Sid. I know I know Sid is very pro-Harden. I'd love to hear his thoughts on, on Harden. So, Sid, pull up. Um, With, with James Harden, just the, the baggage and – he has requested a trade three different times 
with from Brooklyn, from Houston, in the last two years, from Philly, <laughs> yeah, and like that that one year rental, you have virtually zero guarantee that he's going to resign. It it just doesn't make sense. He's he's on kind of on that level of Kyrie Irving where you just don't know if this guy's going to want to stay in your team if he's going to really benefit your team, and he could just be. I'm not going to say cancer to the team because that's that's way too harsh. But James Harden as a player, excellent. I just think he's past his prime right now. He's not at that MVP level. I don't think we'll ever see that MVP level Harden again. He's past 30 years old. And um, Dalen Brunson needs the ball in his hand. If yeah. Harden's on this team, Brunson ain't getting the ball in his hand. We're just going to see Harden chuck it, step back three, step back three, step back three, chuck, step back three. And then trying to trying to get his fouls and his eighty free throws and yeah, fit wise it, it definitely doesn't make sense. The team. And if he can't play under Doc Rivers, how the hell is he gonna play under Tom Thibodeau, bro? He's gonna be out after two games after he plays his minutes, and he's just not gonna want to go for it. The old Harden of Houston, where he was averaging like forty plus minutes per game, would have killed it. But I'm good. I'm good on Harden. Yeah, that Harden would have also cost us our entire body, arm, leg, <laughs> head, everything. But uh, I'm I'm with you all the way. I think I think the I think Harden is is a no no. But I'll say that if we could get him, if we not get him, but if we could get involved with the Sixers in a three team deal for another guy whose name is about to come up, that I'm I'm much more interested in. Uh, I'll let you. You talking about Joel Embiid? <laughs> yo, yo, let's you know, you know, low key, we should just trade for Harden to help them break up the, the court so we can get Joel Embiid later. But I, I don't even know Joel Embiid's a possibility. I'd love to get Joel Embiid, but no, we're the third guy on this list is not, in fact, Joel Embiid. But this guy's name is very interesting for for many reasons, and it is LA Clippers. Is is LA Clippers is LA Clippers PG 13. The wing that we don't have, the two-way defense, two-way offensive defensive superstar that we've never had. Paul George. How are we feeling? Yeah, it's it's definitely a yay for me. And you know, uh, I have to say yes because I said yes to Levine earlier. So very disingenuous <laughs> to to not say yes to Paul George, who is basically the better version of Levine in every way, offensively, defensively, has accomplished things in the NBA, made it to the playoffs multiple times, has been the runner-up for MVP uh, in his prime and whatnot. So uh, Paul George, I think, would be fantastic. I think as a, as a basketball fit, he would be – he would be perfection. It would be basketball heaven. He uh he plays defense, so no concern there. Uh, he's offensively so gifted and would be such a complimentary piece. And on top of that, we know he has good relationship with Ju- uh, Julius Randle. You know, uh, er- er- all those things go in his favor. The injury history and age is definitely of a high concern. I'm not going to pretend that it's like uh, irrelevant, but I'll say that with the East being wide open, more or less, and us adding a guy like Paul George to complement guys like Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, I think that puts the Knicks in contention status, in my opinion. And I'm not saying they're a strong contender, but with the East wide open, they they and like you know anyone could win type of scenario. I think adding Paul George could could really push the Knicks in into that stratosphere. And uh, when you're looking at trading out a guy like R.J. Barrett in that situation, he like Paul George will fit seamlessly in, into the role because he'll just take over R.J.'s minutes, he'll take over R.J.'s shots, he'll he'll just take over that entire role and do it better <laughs> in every single way. Uh, like, like being honest, and you know he's a superstar. Like there's there's no way around to like you know we're like oh is he an all star? No, Paul George is a superstar. Maybe he's not as much of a superstar today and now, but he is a superstar and. I think his play style will will 
age with grace as well because it's mostly shooting. He doesn't rely on his athleticism as much post injuries. So uh, I, I'm a I'm a hard yes for Paul George. I think I think that's the move that's going to happen as well. The one that we were alluding to with Dante. I think Paul George might be the one that's like because that's where all the signs are pointing. All the, like as soon as the Harden news breaks, the first piece of news that comes out is the Knicks and Clippers are both interested in Harden, sounding like a three team deal. So hopefully that works out. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Nick's film school because they put a stat out yesterday or yeah, yesterday where with this four year, $50 million deal that Dante DiVincenzo just agreed to, if they sign, if he accepts like, I want to say like close to $85,000 less, just $85,000 less, that'll still keep them under the mid-level exception. If the Knicks make a trade for Paul George and trade Evan Fournier and RJ Barrett and maybe some picks. But they can still be under the luxury tax. Is that what I said? Yeah, under the luxury tax. If he accepts under, if he accepts just eighty five thousand dollars less, which is so easily manageable with their bonuses in the NBA, I, I agree. I think Paul George would be a seamless transition from RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett has been probably my favorite player the last five years, and uh, only twenty. Now we we go from only twenty two to only twenty three years old. Shout out to RJ. Paul George has not played more than he's he, last season. He played fifty six games, yeah, thirty one prior, like sixty games, fifty four like, before. Like he hasn't played sixty games since twenty eighteen nineteen since he was yeah. in an OKC jersey. Ugh. And you can't even say that it's like because the season ended and there's nothing to play for. He's been in playoffs every year. Like he wants yeah. to play. That that's that's tough. He's averaging under thirty five minutes per game. So if he go if he comes to New York and he's averaging under thirty five minutes per game. And we're only getting potentially 50 to 60 games from him. I, I'm not saying no. I, I'm still thinking, yes, I'm okay with the trade as as very difficult as it is. Because I think RJ Barrett's contract is so good. And we've seen him elevate his game last season. And he just has so much potential as a superstar. And I still want to keep that Zion pipe dream there too with RJ Barrett on this team. Um, if the deal happens... And it's RJ and Evan Fournier and like a first round pick. I wouldn't be super upset because that just brings us to title contention. Um, my concern is that it's just another shiny object situation that we're going. It's just a quick flip to try to win big and doesn't happen. And then we should just keep, you know, keep the powder dry for another superstar because that's that's the state of the NBA. Every year there's a new superstar or superstars plural that want out and New York market will always be new york market and we have a strong nucleus we have a lot of options we have flexibility we have a strong culture a lot of i, I like to think a lot of players will want to join this culture that we built and be that that plug-in player paul but paul george fits really well if we can make that trade and not give up rj barrett somehow i would i would love to do that i just don't think it's possible because nah, we just yeah. have such a Con- lot and we have such a log jam at the the two and the three so yeah, I, I mean, if you yeah. want a little sweetener, I'd say check out Paul George's like, playoff stats. Like, he's played majority of the playoffs, and, uh, you know, Kawhi missed a lot of those playoffs, and Paul George there has looked wonderful. If we could load manage his way into just the playoffs and let him cook there, that's kind of where we really need him. I feel like the Knicks as a regular season team, especially with a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, I feel like they plugged in the holes pretty great. Like, I think they'll be able to manage getting, like, that 
four or five seed again, even with only 50 to 40 games of Paul George. And then if you have him ready for the playoffs, that's where you really need him. We need a, we need another 16-game player. We need someone like Paul George. But um, I, I get the concern, and I get the, the idea of getting another player instead. So I, I, like, I think with all these guys, I don't think uh, Knicks – I think Knicks fans who are smart won't be – upset if we don't get them and won't be feeling to make a move just to make a move. I'm completely comfortable with running it back. I think the Knicks got better getting rid of Obi Toppin and getting Dante DiVincenzo. I know there's a little like, uh, like position wise, it'll be a little confusing, but I think skill set wise, we added something that we didn't have earlier. So I, I I'm all for it, but you know, there's other names being floated around. I think personally, I, I would like someone, a name that's not as sexy. That's like not as superstar-y, but is very uh, a high level player. I think I would love if the Knicks could make a move for OG Ananobi. Um, I think he's like defensively exactly what we need and offensively like perfect. He doesn't need too much, but you know, there's the injury level, uh, the injury history uh, concern there. And apparently the Toronto Raptors have been asking for four first round picks for him, which is just not going to happen. Like just grow up guys. You guys already didn't get any assets for Fred Van Vliet because you were so stubborn for it. Like, just, just, just move on, move on, and, and do it. But um, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, the the Knicks are gearing up for one of these moves, and I don't want that. I'm with you. I don't want to see them make a move just to be like, yeah, we made a move. Like, and it seems like this front office has been preaching and practicing patience because they could have pulled the trigger on that Donovan Mitchell move. I think they had all the packages too to outbid the Cavs, but they decided against it. And, you know, that's why I'm saying I, I trust this front office to do to, to do right by us. Would you trade RJ Barrett for OG? I think uh, the way I've been thinking is like, no matter what, whatever wing we upgrade, we're going to have to trade RJ Barrett. So I, it's like, I've kind of become numb and desensitized to it. Like if you're telling me like emotionally, would I want to trade RJ for OJ Ananobi? No, like it, it just sounds like, why would I do that? I could just let RJ develop and become better. But um, I think if you're adding another shooting guard or a small forward, it only makes sense to get rid of either RJ or Emmanuel quickly. So um, I, I, I just have to say yes. Like it's, it's, it sucks, but yeah, <laughs> I think you have to like, I think on paper, no, honestly, I don't think I would do that. I, I, I think, I think we should target OG Ananobi. I agree with you. I don't think he's better than RJ Barrett. I'm, I'm just looking at his stats. Yeah, I'm not, I, he's averaging under 17 points per game. Flattery. I mean, he's great defensively. I think RJ defensively Barrett, significantly better than RJ, yes. but yeah, offensively, it's about I, the same. I, I think RJ still has that that two way potential, and uh, I think. Playing with DiVincenzo should elevate him a little bit. I, I'd rather just see where we can go with with uh with RJ, especially with with his playing history, OGs that is. I mean, he's never he played a over, lot of games. He's hardly ever played over 50 games. I think he misses he a lot of games, games like twice. And that's why I'm so confused why he's being valued at like four first round picks. And because they're see, on the, crack, bro. Masai Ujiri just let Van Vliet go and he's not doing jack shit. That's also why I want OG because I feel like we could get him in a fire sale situation and we can potentially not give up RJ or, you know, three team deal, get another player, blah, 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 whatever it may be. But it just seems unrealistic because these teams, like even the Bulls with Zach Levine, it feels like you guys are very like valuing your players way too high. Like look at what just Beal just went for. Like look at what all these other guys are just going for in this current NBA market, this iteration of the NBA market, this off season. It's, it's frustrating to see that the, the players aren't being moved around and being utilized because the front offices are being stubborn and cheap. Like, 
All right, as we get closer to wrapping up this episode, just want to do a quick shout out to one Derek Rose who signed to the Memphis Grizzlies, which I think for Memphis is an excellent pickup. You got a guy who is there to basically be a veteran leader and support uh, your superstar, John Moran, who uh, frankly needs that that support and that benefit. Well, obviously, we wish the best for him for what he's going through um, because I'm sure it's a lot to go through mentally. And uh, with D Rose and Marcus Smart both in Memphis, that should be really good for for their young team right now and uh and for d rose who came to new york and was a spark plug in that 2021 season where he came in and pushed the knicks again to the playoffs and was a huge uh support factor for our young guys in obi top and iq that that was awesome to see and um you know his he has so many plays and obviously he's always been beloved beloved here in new york yeah, man. Shout out to Derek Rose. Yo, he's nice. Um, uh, that's that's my guy. Um, I'm just so happy that we got that second opportunity to uh, have Derek Rose on our team because the first time in like 2016, it sucked. He was horrible. That that like uh, the 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 Golden State and New York Knicks super teams at the time were horrible. Uh, that really was frustrating. So seeing him come back and mentor Obi Top and Emmanuel quickly was fantastic and it makes my heart hurt to see that Derek Rose didn't retire with the Knicks and didn't retire with Tom Thibodeau but I'm so glad to see that he has another opportunity to continue to contribute to this game that we all love to contribute to basketball by mentoring the next generation by mentoring a guy who has a similar play style and maybe even like a similar like not they don't have similar upbringings but Derek Rose you know being in Memphis being in Chicago has been around a lot of crazy stuff growing up and maybe he can help John Morant shift through what's important and what's not important. Cause we've watched Derek Rose go from being the youngest MVP to where he is now and mature so much over that time. And maybe he could help John Morant uh, through that. So, you know, happy that Derek Rose gets to contribute to that game that he loves so much and uh, in a small role, because uh, you know, Marcus Moore will probably be taking over as point guard where of the games that John Morant is being suspended the 25 games, but Derek Rose will definitely be able to contribute as a backup through that. So, you know, shout out to Derek Rose, wish him nothing but the best. And I feel like the front office did right by him. Yeah. And if he ever retires, it only makes sense for him to do it in either Chicago or in Memphis where he went to college. It should be, it's going to end up being one or one or the other. So could be the final couple of years or seasons for D Rose. So shout out to shout out to that boy. And the last question I want to throw out at you, because I feel like, there's so many you're either on one side or the other you either think leon rose sucks ass or he's doing a competent job right now as as overall president and i just want to check in with you you know a couple of years in uh this is this is leon's third maybe fourth off season as president of the knicks would you give him a thumbs up no i'm not asking for like a letter grade or a number or anything like that just a simple thumbs up thumbs down for leon's performance so far as president overall. I'll give him a thumbs up. I definitely will give him a thumbs up. Like I'm not giving him two thumbs up, but I'll give him like a, a thumbs up. Like uh I feel like he's taken a, a shitty situation that he inherited from Scott Perry and um I forget his other name. Steve Mills. Steve Mills. Oh my god, thank God. I, I'm so glad I forgot his name. I hated that guy so much. But he took a shitty situation that he inherited from them and turned it into something pretty, pretty decent, pretty nice. And you know, we we might not be the young core that every ESPN graphic is putting up, like top young core, you know. Oh my god, I can't believe they have all these guys on their team. But I feel like 
they've drafted well. Obi Toppin aside, they've drafted well. Um, they they found like nice players between. They haven't like shot their load and traded all their picks away for nothing. They've assigned some really nice contracts that look so great in hindsight compared to the contracts being handed out. And yeah, they've had missteps. They've had uh Kemba Walker, they've had Obi Toppin, they've had Evan Fournier, Nerlens Noel. You know, some of those signings were not ideal, but which front office hasn't? And I think the culture that they're building and what they're defining has been great. I think they've had some ballsy decisions like not firing Tom Thibodeau when everybody wanted to fire Tom Thibodeau and it ended up paying off, which we couldn't even see. You know, in hindsight, it ended up working out. So I, I got to give them a thumbs up. I think they've done a, a wonderful job. And I, I, I hope that they get to keep their job so they can – follow through on what they've been promising in terms of uh, a superstar uh, or a star player, which so far they kind of have with Jalen Brunson, but one, one level ahead of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I find it hard to not give him a thumbs up at this yeah. point. You can't, when you look at the balance between what went wrong versus what went right, the rights are so much higher. I mean, you got Jalen Brunson on one of arguably the steal of the 21st century in NBA contract terms yeah. and it's only two real been playoff year. runs like it's only been a year at, with, with Jalen Brunson and you've, you've made the playoffs two out of three times and this is a business this is the NBA not there's a reason why not every team wins the NBA championship you have to build your way to it and we went from a garbage team garbage franchise that never can't even slip the playoffs and now we are almost virtually guaranteed I don't want to say guaranteed never say guaranteed but we can at least make the expectation that we'll be a top five team and that's a step in the right direction. It's never, it shouldn't be NBA finals or bust. We're not at that level yet. And there's a reason why we always fucked it up years prior. Cause we always try to make that switch to go from a garbage team to a, to a finals contender. We'll sign players to bad contracts, act without thinking and, and be three steps behind when you should be three steps ahead. And I feel like this, this front office, if they're anything, they're at least a step ahead. And they're thinking long-term for what they want to do. And they're not trying to make these short-term fixes. And that's because Leon Rose is who he is. He is, he's not some guy that will be bossed around and he's making his decision. He's building these relationships. The NBA is a business of relationships and that's what CAA does. There's a reason why LA is getting all these players that they want right now. Cause they have that clutch factor. We have that CAA factor. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we, that's what everybody was happy about a couple of years ago. Stick with that. And it'll, it'll pay off shortly soon I, at least i think it will um because this team is so much better than it was five years ago when we start we started this podcast five years ago is horrible and the fact that we're at this point now where we're we actually have competent moves that are being made and all these moves that didn't work out we can look back at these podcasts we can look back at these tweets most of the people were okay with it It made logical sense it made sense to sign evan for it made sense to it just didn't work out alec burks nerlens noel it made sense to draft obi toppin it just didn't. It just didn't pan out. But the the front office set it up in a way where they can actually get out of that move and actually rectify their mistakes. And not a lot of teams are able to do that. We know firsthand that we we made mistakes that you can't backtrack from. And these guys have not made mistakes like that. Every team's gonna make mistakes. The Golden State Warriors won the title two years ago. That same year, they drafted Wiseman over Lamelo with the second round with the second round pick, a uh, first round second second draft overall pick. pick. Yeah. Yeah. So teams make mistakes. It happens. It's not detriment. It hasn't been detrimental to this team yet. So I'm not. I wouldn't give him an A plus, but at least I know I said we're not gonna grade off a rubric. But I give him at least a B plus. Oh yeah, yeah, B plus for sure. I like, but I'd say like, uh, like real quick final thoughts. Like, 
I like that they built a foundation. Maybe they haven't got the top heavy pieces in, but uh, like the way they've built a team, like roster construction wise, it makes sense. Like they heavily rely on rim protection. They like getting to the paint. They're trying to space the floor a little bit more, but it feels like the pieces they have all fit in terms of they have strong role players to make a run that two-way strong versatile role players. Now it's just about acquiring those stars. And, you know, worst comes to worst, I see it like if Leon does get fired and he he does, we move on from him, which I hope we don't. Uh, the next front office is inheriting a really easy situation to navigate. The contracts are really manageable. The players are great. So uh, even if, if Leon is leaving uh, a team, he's not leaving this place as a dumpster fire like Phil Jackson did or like Steve Mills did and whatnot. So I feel like with the Knicks history, that's a success right there to not leave this place as a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That about wraps up this episode of Nickish. We appreciate you guys checking out. Nickish again. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NickishNYC and follow us on all podcasting platforms. Check out our website, nickdashish.com. Copy yourself some Nickish gear. It is the summer, uh, and that means we got some summer gear on its way. A lot of good stuff. So make sure you keep an eye out for that uh, and give us that five star review. It really helps this podcast going forward. Uh, and that is it. You'll be uh, keep an eye out on the market, uh, and we'll be uh, coming up with some more episodes to talk about it. Until next time, take care. Peace. Peace.